Praise God. Well, you know, as we've been in the preparation of, you know, this windstorm that's coming, I looked up the word preparation because I thought that would be important for us to know tonight. What does it mean to be prepared? It means the process of being made ready. The process of being made ready. So, you know, the scriptures tell us that in Proverbs, that it's the strong spirit of a man that sustains him in the day of adversity or in the day of bodily pain or in a time of trouble. It's his strong spirit. How does this man's spirit get strong? A man's spirit gets strong by feeding his spirit upon the word of God. You know, if you feed your heart faith when you don't need it, and actually you always need it, but if you feed your heart faith when there isn't a crisis going on in your life, your heart will feed you faith when you do need it. Amen? Amen. It will stabilize you. It will help you. And so being prepared spiritually, emotionally, Physically and relationally is so important. The scripture tells us to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, not unto man, but unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so that's what we've been doing the last few nights on Wednesday nights as pastors begun this series on healing is we've endeavored to study the word concerning healing And to study what it says so that we can be approved. Amen. So that we can know some things. So that we can have it settled in us. So that we can rightly divide the word. You know, if you could rightly divide the word, you can also wrongly divide the word. So we want to be ones that rightly divide. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16, it says this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And that's important for us to know. How do we learn things? How are we corrected? How are we encouraged? How do we grow? It's through the scripture. Amen. Through the word of God. And so tonight we're going to look at the scriptures to see... How we can know that divine healing is the will of God and the will of God for you. Pastor did a beautiful job last week of laying out some scriptures and foundation on, you know, your believing faith. And how your faith determines, you know, oftentimes the course that you will go in regards to receiving healing. And so your faith is one way that you receive healing. And of course, pastor spoke of other ways like the gifts of the spirit. And then we have when you call for the elders of the church and they lay hands on you in the name of Jesus and the sick is raised up. That's another way. So there's different ways to receive healing according to the scriptures. But tonight we're going to talk a little bit about, again, knowing that it's God's will for you to be healed. So, faith begins where? Where the will of God is known. It's the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of what God's word says. It's actually the epinosis of God's word. That's the precise, 
the correct and the true knowledge. Again, rightly dividing the word. So it's the true knowledge, correct knowledge. If you believe God made you sick to teach you a lesson, if you believe that God has made you sick to punish you because you did something wrong, or that sickness came as a result of that, then it's really difficult for you to engage your faith. And as pastor said last week, if that's the primary way that oftentimes we receive our healing is through our own faith, he laid out how um, so many people, I think it was 19 uh, different passages, it was their faith, by their faith that they were healed. So it's important. Is our faith important? Our faith is important when it comes to healing. And so your faith has to be faith of the heart. You know, you could have faith in your heart and you can really have doubt or reasoning in your head. Your head will give you a problem. But know this, that if you have faith in your heart, it's that faith, that faith that's going to raise you up. Amen. The word of God tells us by his stripes, we were healed. That's the final authority. And if you take hold of that and you begin to walk in that, watch out because your healing is coming your way. Amen. Now, we're not just talking about head knowledge. Head knowledge is one thing, but this is more than intellectual knowledge. Epinosis is faith of the heart where you believe with the heart. Romans 10 8 through 10 says this, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now let's look at that in the message version. In the message version it says, The word that saves is right here. As near as the tongue in your mouth, As close as the heart in your chest. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. You're going to be what? You shall be saved. And why is that? Because with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so this is a Bible principle. This is how we get saved. This is how we receive the promises of God. This is how you can be healed. Faith has to be in two places, in your heart and in your mouth. With the heart man believes, and with the mouth your confession is made unto salvation. Salvation is the word zoe. Zoe is the life of God. And that includes, that includes your spirit, your soul, your body. Amen. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law, from poverty, sickness, and death. The word believe there in that scripture, it's a Greek word. And the Greek word, it actually means to trust in, to have faith in, to be fully persuaded of. To rely on and to acknowledge. So again, that's more than doctrine. It's more than just articles of faith. It expresses reliance 
on a personal trust that produces obedience in your life and includes you submitting to the will of God. Amen. Which is the word of God. So for example, if I have this chair here, if I'm going to sit down in this chair, I'm going to have to trust. I'm going to have to believe. I'm going to have to rely on the fact that the legs of this chair is going to do what? It's going to hold me up. If I don't believe that, if I am not going to rely on that, if I am not going to trust in that, I am not going to sit down in the chair. So do you see how it's more of an action to your faith? You know, it's not dead faith. It's faith that is alive. That comes from the epignosis of knowing. Comes from the rhema of God. God's spoken word to your spirit by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. So church, how does faith come? You're good students of the word. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How does it grow? By using it, by exercising it. I love in the Passion Translation, Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Hallelujah. Selah. Pause and think about that. You know, Jesus said that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could do what? You could speak to the mountains and the mountains are going to be removed. So sometimes I think people limit the faith of God on the inside of them, thinking that they have to work it up. That it has to be something that God says it doesn't have to be. You're going to grow in faith as you hear the word. You're going to grow in faith as you exercise it. But faith, the size of the seed, a mustard seed, the smallest seed, will move mountains in your life. That takes the work out of it. Lord, I believe. Sometimes that's what just all you have to say. Lord, Amen. I believe. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. That's some power. That's what I say. So how can we be sure that God's will is for us to be healed today? How do we know that it was always God's will for a man to be healed? Well, we're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 1. Verses 26, 27, and 31. And God said, let us make man in, the, in our image. We're going back to the garden now because this is creation. And this is how God created man and how the environment he created man to live and abide in. And that's important to know because this was God's original plan. And God said... Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let us have domin- and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and every other creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So we see there from that passage of scripture that God made man in his image and in his likeness. God is a speaking spirit. And he's created us to be speaking spirits. If you go through that passage of scripture and we don't have time to do that, you'll see that God said, let there be light. And there was what? Light. He began to speak into existence those things that he had in his heart. And you too need to speak into existence those things that God puts in your heart because you are a speaking spirit. And then as he created, he began to say, as he finished on the sixth day, he looked at it. And what did he say? He said, oh, it's very good. All of his creation, he looked at and he said, oh, it's very good. And the Hebrew word there for very is actually the same word as mighty. So we could say it this way. Oh, he looked at everything and he said, oh, it's mighty good. It's a mighty God full of mighty power. And he made everything mighty good. Hallelujah. And so if God made everything good, everything the way that he saw it, we can look back to the garden and we can know that all their needs were met. I mean, the, the temperature in the garden was perfect. It was a beautiful garden. The garden had no death in it. And because there was no death in it, there was no decay. Because there was no decay, it was beautiful. The life of God was there. And I'm telling you, as he fellowshiped with man throughout the day, man could talk to God. And he made man this intelligent, amazing being. Amen? He was such an amazing work that God had created. I mean, he named every animal. What kind of memory do you think that was? To be able to articulate that. And so, here's man in this beautiful environment. All his needs are met. He's just living the life that God intended for him to make. And everything was what? Good. Everything was good. Well, we know that the fall of man came. We know that Satan came and instead of Adam and Eve obeying God, they disobeyed God and they ate off the tree that God told them not to eat off, the tree of, no, the, the, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know that in that day, death came. And that's what God told them. When you eat off of that, that you shall surely die. And the enemy tried to say, oh, no, that's not going to happen. You're not going to surely die. God didn't really mean that. You're just going to be smart. You're just going to like this. So just go for it. And they did. And so as a result, we have sin entering into the earth. And that sin, I tell you what, it leads to something. What does sin lead to? It leads to death. And so that's when sickness, disease, All these things entered into the earth. Um, If if it was God's will 
for man to be sick, when did he create it? He did it. It doesn't say on the sixth day he created cancer. It doesn't say on the fourth day he created, you know, leukemia or whatever. No, he didn't create it that way because it wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's will. Amen? God's will is for us to live the life that he intended. Whole, healed, prosperous, blessed. Amen? Amen. And in fellowship with him. So, where did sickness come from? It came from the enemy. How did it come into the world? We said it came through disobedience. It came through man's sin. It came through um, the opportunity that man gave up what God had given him. Looking for my little keys here. Okay, let me just see. I need a couple people. Would you come and help me? Sia, come and help me. Christina, come and help me. Raul, come and help me. (laughs) All right, so... We're going to have you be God. (laughs) And God here has the keys of authority. He's God. Amen. Amen. And he creates man. And so let's have uh, Sia come on over here. And uh, PT, would you come? You can be Adam. No. The devil in yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not. The, you're not. Okay. So, <laughs> so God said, "Here, I've created this garden for you. I've created this beautiful environment for you. I've created life for you. I want to bless you." And so He took this keys and He handed it over to man. He said, "Now I want you to take dominion." I want you... No, Adam. Adam. Adam's always trying to give it over. Adam and Eve. Okay, okay. So, I want you to rule and I want you to reign. I want you to reign. I want you to take authority. Amen? So, he's sitting there with all this authority that's been delegated to him from God. But then, Raul, he knows his parts. Enters the serpent. And he deceives Eve. And then Adam blatantly disobeys God. And as a result, he hands the keys over to Satan. The keys of authority. And we know this because when he went to tempt Jesus... He said to Jesus in Luke 4, verses 5 through 8, And the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. And the devil said unto them, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. And that is because it's been delivered to me. For it's been delivered to me. And to whomsoever will, I give it. Now, if that wasn't a real temptation for Jesus, then the scriptures would not be true. But he was tempted. He had the authority because it had been given to him by Adam. Adam gave it up. 
He gave away the gift of God that God gave him. But God had a plan. Amen? God had a plan. We're just going to have you be Jesus. Go ahead and go on over there. <laughs> and so we know that Jesus came and he lived a, a, a perfect life. Amen. And then he went to the cross. He was the spotless lamb. Amen. He died. He, he, he took your sin. He took your sickness. He took poverty. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He went down and he took it away from the enemy. And the Bible says he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. But then he did something else. Amen? Robin, come on up. Jesus just didn't keep that authority. If you'll go down there, he did something with it. He, when he arose, he said, now you go. Who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. And he said, now you go. You take this authority and you go in my name. And you cast out devils. And you lay hands on the sick. And you speak with new tongues. And oh, I'm telling you, that delegated authority is now back in the hands of the believer where God intended it to be. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Praise God. That's one of the most important things for you to know. That you have been delegated authority. And you can use your authority in the name of Jesus. Amen. Authority over the enemy when he comes in that evil day to, to tempt you with sickness and disease. You can stand up and you can take your place. And in the name of Jesus, oh no, I'm not receiving that. Amen. Now, again, it's about choosing. Choosing. Adam chose the forbidden fruit. You've got to choose this day. It's a free will that God has given to you. It's a gift that God has given to you. You know, in the garden, we talked about the trees. There was actually two trees, specifically the tree of life. Well, there was more than two trees, but there was a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And one of the reasons God had to take Adam and Eve out of the garden is because he didn't want them to eat off the tree of life and live in that condition forever. But you know, um, it's amazing because God gave Adam that free choice to choose. And in your life, there's always going to be like a representation of two trees. You know, and you've got to choose. What are you going to eat from? Amen. One tree brings blessing and brings reward. And the other tree brings a curse. In Deuteronomy 30, chapter, uh, chapter 30, verse 19, it says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. 
Therefore, choose life that both you may live and your seed. So you're not just choosing for you. You're choosing for your seed. And you know, if you didn't have a choice, you wouldn't have a free will. And that's important to know because that is the nature of God. God's nature is to give freely. And he gave that free will to man so that man could choose. Amen. Amen. I'm going to choose what God has for me. I'm going to eat the whole roll. I'm not going to hold back on any part of redemption that Jesus paid the price for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 verses 17 to 19 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So again, that brings the point home that it was through one man's disobedience that sin entered into the world. And we are now living in a fallen world. But through one man's obedience, we have been given the gift of righteousness. Amen. And we can reign in this life. And we can rule over sickness and disease. Verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners... So, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So again, we see that connection. That it was through Adam and through that disobedience, through sin, that death entered into the world. And the result of it. Now, some other ways that we can know who is the author of sin, sickness, and disease is we can look at other scriptures in the word. For example, in Luke 13, 13, it talks about the woman who was bowed over. Do you remember she was bowed over for many years? And the religious people, they came and they, they hadn't for, I think it was 18 years she was bowed over, right? For 18 years. And they, they didn't, in 18 years, try to lay hands on her and get her sick, get her, get her healed from that sickness, from that infirmity. But Jesus comes and he heals her and they get upset about it because he did it on the Sabbath day. And he called them hypocrites because God's will is to heal. And he is going to move heaven and earth to do that for you. Amen. And so it says in the scripture... That Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees, he said to the, to the religious leaders, he said, you know, shouldn't this woman who Satan has bound low these 18 years be loosed from her infirmity? Who bound her? Satan bound her. It's really satanic bondage. Sickness and disease is satanic Bondage. So we can see there that it was Satan who was the author. 
Then we can look at like, for example, John 10.10. What does John 10.10 say? It says that it's the thief who comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have what? Life. And that they might have it more abundantly. And so we see here that it's the thief who is Satan. If something's coming against your life to steal, to kill, to destroy you, and sickness and disease will do just that, guess what? It's not from God. It's not the will of God. It says that Jesus came, I have come, that you might have what? Life. That you might live. That you might declare the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing? Who went about doing? Who went about doing? Is sickness good? No, it's evil. Who went about doing good and healing all. How many? All who were oppressed of the devil. For why? God was with him. And God's will is healing. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That's satanic oppression. Amen? Now, we know from the scriptures that Jesus came to do the will of the Father. He did not speak of his own will. He did not speak his own words. He spoke that which he heard. Amen? Heard from the Father. And so we see again in Scripture, Jesus even teaching the disciples to pray. Praying that, you know, the will of God would be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do we know about heaven? We know heaven's a glorious place. We know there's no sorrow. There's no mourning. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no infirmity. There's not even a sense of disappointment. There's the presence of God. And his, his glory brings light. There's no need for light. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And I'm telling you, God is a creator. And he is busy at work creating. And he'll be creating through all eternity things for us to do. We're not going to be up there twiddling our thumbs. We're going to be enjoying the presence of God and basking in it. And oh, it's going to be so glorious. Amen? Amen. And so, if Jesus prayed, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we know in heaven there's no sickness and disease. So that again tells us that that is not the will of God for there to be sickness in a person's body. And God, I'll tell you, he's so amazing. 
He's so amazing because he's so consistent. And he never changes. He does not change. Malachi 3, 6 says, For I am the Lord, and I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, you're not consumed. Because God's mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. The love of the Father. I'm telling you, sometimes you just got to get established in the love of the Father. That God loves you. He wants you well. He wants you whole. You know, in the book of Luke, Luke, I think it's chapter 5, verse 12, I believe, something like that. um, There was the man with leprosy that came to Jesus. And he, lay, he fell down and he begged Jesus, Lord, if it be your will, heal me. And what was Jesus' reply to him? I will. I will. Yes, it is my will. It is my will. Uh, do you have that in the uh, New Living translation? Let's read it in New Living. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. Now, remember, Luke was a physician. So he's going to lay it out for you. And he says he was in an advanced case of leprosy. He was full of leprosy. Have you ever seen leprosy? When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing... You can heal me and make me clean. Next verse. And Jesus reached out with love and compassion and mercy. And he touched him and he said, what? I am willing. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. What was his question? His question was, is it the will of God for me to be healed? And Jesus clearly answered that question. It is the will of God. I will. Remember, he did what he heard the father do. He came to fulfill the will of God. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So we can be established in this because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. It's God's will for man to be whole, for man to be healed. Amen? Amen. Let's look at James chapter 1 and verse 17. This is our last verse tonight. It says this, Every good and every perfect gift is from where? Above, And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, he doesn't change, neither shadow of turning. So, if you're receiving something good in your life, good gifts come from God. Amen? It's sad today because so many people have such a misunderstanding of the scriptures. Or they have religious teachings. And they think that God is the one that's making them sick. They think God is the one that's allowing them to uh, experience uh, sickness and disease in their body. 
for whatever reason. But you know, then they turn around and they go to the doctor. So if it's God's will for you to be sick, why are you going to the doctor? It doesn't make sense, does it? No, it doesn't. Because it's not the will of God. God's, God's will is his word. And God's word says, I am the Lord that does what? Healeth thee. We got to trust in his goodness. We've got to trust in his mercy. We've got to trust in his love. And we got to trust in his word. Amen. I am the Lord. Let's say it together. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Praise God. That's good medicines. God's word is medicine. And if you take his word every day and you say, Lord, you're the Lord that healeth me. You deliver me out of sickness and disease. You take it out of my midst. I thank you, Lord, for your healing virtue that's just flowing in my body. Your healing virtue that's flowing in my soul, in my mind, in my brain, in my will, in my emotions. I thank you for virtue that's flowing in my spirit. Because I've got a river of life that's flowing out of me. And it makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors and it sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. So it's not just for you. It's for others. Amen. God's river of healing. God's river of restoration in people's lives. Healing of the broken heart. Healing of whatever it is that you need healing of. God is the healer. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you for the word tonight. We just give you praise and we allow the scriptures to settle down and to take root in our hearts, Lord. We fed upon them tonight. And Lord, in feeding upon them, it causes faith to arise. It causes those who may be without hope to be filled with hope. It causes, Lord, that which you desire, your will, for people to walk in divine health. And oh, we thank you for it. We thank you for establishing us in it. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen.